You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The important thing in life is to know how to work with what is. And most human beings, a great deal of the time, try to work rather with what they wish were, the wonderful world of might have been. Until we can learn to deal with the truth, to face the truth, to operate from what is, we aren't going to be able to change things to make them over in the way that we would like to see them change. In the last few centuries, we have seen a new twist on that saying of Jesus Christ. Science came along and said, okay, we don't know, we can't prove what goes on in higher regions. We can't prove whether we live after death. We can't prove whether there's a God. Let's work with things that we can prove. And so they cut it down to very basic inquiries. Almost, you might say, uh, pedestrian inquiries. Mass, weight, motion. How heavy an object is, how fast it moves, the law of motion of Newton, and so on. You'd think they couldn't get very far asking such humdrum questions, certainly far more humdrum than the uh, scholastic debate as to how many angels could dance on the head of a pin. There were a lot of fascinating questions that people could pose as long as they were merely supposing, sort of almost, you might say, like the uh, unbridled license given to the imagination by science fiction. We were held down to harsh or at least uh, mundane realities. Now just look, however, at what science has accomplished with that basic demand that things be absolutely demonstrable and proved. We found a universe far vaster, far more complex, far beyond the uh, scope of imagination, something people couldn't have dreamed four centuries ago. Even when I was a child and somebody was told, telling me about television and he was working on the invention of it and how it would work. It was just beyond my ability to grasp it. I was only nine years old, but I suspect most people were in the same boat. It just didn't seem possible. And yet here we are. Television can show us images of people on the other side of the world. It can show us events that are just as fresh today as they were 10, 20 years ago. The incredible advancement of science has been made possible only by that strict adherence to what is provable, to what is true. Unfortunately, even in science, we find that human nature has stepped in again and again. I'm reminded of uh, an archaeologist who was working on the ruins of Knossos in Greece, on the island of Crete. And he had a particular theory as to the sequence of uh, developments in the civilization. And he made one discovery which completely demolished that theory. And it meant losing all, all the years of his work building up that theory, and he just couldn't face it. So he sort of carefully moved the object that he found on the wrong layer to the right layer 
Well, this is human nature. It isn't science, but it's very normal for people to try to bend reality to fit what they would like. Whereas in science, it's not all that difficult. Usually, there is some commitment to wanting something to be true. And even in science, we can't completely exclude matters such as uh, aesthetics, taste, etc. In fact, I, I've always enjoyed a story of Einstein and Eddington, two great physicists who took opposite sides in a, in a discussion that they were having. And finally, Einstein said, well, we'll just have to say, have to accept that it's a matter of taste. A matter of taste, however, in this case, involved some fundamental way of looking at the universe and should have been based on absolute truth. But they had both reached the point where they saw that the, the lines of truth were sort of fading into imagination and theory, and it was just impossible to decide absolutely which was right, which was wrong. The discovery that light is both a particle and a wave. Depending on how you look at it, it is provably either one or the other. And yet, the two concepts are mutually exclusive. It has to be, according to our logic, either one or the other. Even physics has reached such a point of advancement and sophistication that it's very difficult to bind discoveries to, uh, and bind theories to absolute truths. Now, in human life, the situation is altogether more complex. And whereas there are a lot of uh, so-called scientists who try to be very scientific in their, in their discoveries and investigations, the truth is that even though they do their best to be scientists, it's not possible to be scientific in the same sense as the physicist. I don't say we shouldn't try. I don't say that it isn't good to examine the, the uh, various things in human nature and in society and in medicine and so on that will help us to understand how the body works, how the mind works, how the emotions work. But <clears throat> it's not the same thing as in physics. It's not a cut and dried reality. For example, doctors in hospitals today, because they want to think of themselves as scientists in the same way that astronomers and physicists think of themselves, will not think of dealing with the whole human being. They rather will say, well, we've got a heart in that room and a liver in this room and a leg in that room. They don't think of it being Mr. Jones here and Mrs. Smith there and old uh, Bobby Periwinkle in this room. They, they like to think that the variables in human nature don't enter into the treatment of a heart, of a liver, of a gallbladder, of a broken leg, or whatever. But the reality is, and they all have to admit it and basically do, at least behind the scenes, that what we're really doing is treating people. And people and the way they respond make all the difference in the world, whether a person will live or die whether you'll get well or won't get well. There's a point beyond which medical science cannot determine a thing just in cut and dried ways. So truth, when it applies to life, when it applies to human nature, when it applies to a great many things except the, in fact, the only really pure science is mathematics because it's dealing with non-reality. It's dealing pu with pure theory. Even in physics, we find that there are 
variables, things that you can't really get at. Um, J.W.N. Sullivan wrote uh, a, a delightful book, very insightful, called The Limitations of Science, in which he pointed out that it's impossible to really know the extent to which we can predict anything, because ultimately everything come down to the, comes down to the electron, and even in looking at the electron through an electron microscope, the light you put out to see influences the movement of the electron. You can't observe nature, basically is what he was saying, without in some way also influencing it. It's like a slideshow that I put together years ago of Hawaii, slides of Hawaii, and I took some beautiful pictures of flowers and so on, and somebody came to me afterwards and said, it, was, it looked as if the flowers were responding to your love for them. And I think there's a lot in that, that how we look at nature will even influence the film, will even influence the, the effect, the, the, the reaction that the world has to us. This may be a poetic fancy up to a point, but it's certainly so on many, many levels. The, the mind influences the the photograph in such a way that they've actually made experiments of several people sitting together concentrating in a dark room on a rose that was set on, an, on a photographic plate. And concentrating deeply on it, they were able in every instance to bring the image of the rose out in the developed photo. Then they tried another experiment. They tried having most of the people concentrate on the rose, but two or three or four concentrating on negating that image, fuzz, making it fuzzy. And they found that the image became fuzzy. Then they had even more people concentrate on blocking that, and they didn't get the image at all. The influence of the mind upon nature is very much a part of, of uh, our human reality. And I don't suppose we have much of an influence on that star Betelgeuse many millions of light years away. But we surely have an influence upon the world around us and the world we have to deal with every day. You've heard the expression beginner's luck. Some people, when they begin to gamble, seem to win and then later they don't win. I read that as simply that when they start out gambling, uh, they don't have any idea of the odds against them, and because of their buoyant expectation, they're more likely to attract the right number, the right horse, whatever it might be. A uh, family that I know, or knew, I should say, in Mexico City, um, the wife and the daughter went to the horse races with the father and, and husband, the man of the family. He went there frequently. He was not a gambler, but he liked to bet on the horses, and he enjoyed the races. And he won occasionally, but usually lost. Well, they had never been before. And they decided that they would vote on this horse because it had a nice, funny little white spot on its nose. And that horse, because they liked the looks of it and so on, they won every race. And he lost consistently, even though, quite naturally, he was laughing at them for their system of winning. Now, this is the thing, that when all your mind and all your expectation goes in a certain way, then you're more likely to bend nature's laws to work with you. And when you aren't sure and half your mind is going that way and half not, you will have more of a negating quality, a blocking energy 
that will make it less likely that your influence will be strong. But the influence of our thoughts, of our desires, uh, of our will, is a part of um, what happens in the world around us. And so it is that we sometimes get the impression that if we wish enough, if our desires are strong enough, that we can will everything to happen. And the truth of it is that finally, sooner or later, there are laws in the world that we cannot bend. And it's only really when we work in tune with those laws that uh, things really happen. For instance, these people who went to the horse races were in tune with a law, but didn't know it. That law was that the greater the will, the greater the flow of energy, and the greater the flow of energy, the greater the magnetic force, which automatically attracted success. This is a law. There are many, many other laws which, if you know how they work, and don't just work with the hit or miss um, methods that most people use, you will see that you can make uh, many things come true in your life. Truth is a loving taskmaster, because when we go against it, we learn how we should have done it. And if you fail in anything, it would be a very safe bet, having talked of gambling, a safe bet that you went against the law in some way or another. And so instead of kicking at a table leg, it would be much wiser to sit down and think, what did I not do right? Most people, unfortunately, have the tendency to blame the world, to blame other people, to assume that others haven't been fair to them, that people have not uh, prejudice against them, that life itself isn't fair. Uh, they'll always tend to blame others, to blame uh, the universe, rather than say, where did I go wrong? Now, just as in, in uh, a government, in a country, there are laws, and if we abide by those laws, things are going, likely to go much better for us than if we break them, so also in the universe. The thing in the universe, however, is that the laws that were placed there, the laws on which this universe was founded, are not uh, abstract in the sense of being without feeling. The laws of the universe are based on the reality of the divine consciousness, which is love. And so underlying the hard experiences of life, there is love. Truth itself, even though it seems harsh, is a loving truth. And I have seen this happen again and again, that if we will take whatever comes to us, and accept it as a loving thing, rather than just as something brutal, cruel, unfair, that sooner or later we learn something that is very important for our growth and our well-being. Now, a man builds a business, works at that business with great energy, and then suddenly there's a depression and he loses it. He may say, well, what's, where's the love in that? Couldn't the universe be a little bit fair to me? Jokingly, I said years ago, in the house where I lived, there were all, all in this house, in fact, if you can see very much of it on the video, which I don't suppose, um, there were all sorts of leaks. 
and we did everything to close those leaks off, and the water still managed to find some way to get in until finally we, we did solve it. But uh, at one point, my, my joke was to say, but we're so sincere, and still the water doesn't forgive us. And what I was really referring to is how often we think, uh, well, I tried. Well, it isn't enough to try. We have to do it right. So often we think, well, I'm so sincere. God knows I tried. How many times have you heard that expression? I've done my best. Well, it isn't enough to do your best. You've got to do it right. And it seems to us as if that truth is a very harsh taskmaster. But in the long run, if we sit back and analyze, we'll see that we can learn many, many things. There was a lovely story that I read years ago about a man who was always very peaceful, very calm. And he was older. And there was a young man who used to love to be with him. He learned so much from him. And one day he said, what is the secret of your peace of mind? And the man said, I'll show you. He went to a drawer and he took out a little box. And in that box was a very fragile seashell. And the young man said, well, what do you mean? And the man said, many years ago, in 1929, I was one of the people who lost everything he had. I had a fortune, but it was all on paper, and overnight I lost it all. And I was going to commit suicide. I felt I had nothing left to live for. I sent my uh, family away. I went off to a house that we had taken on the beach, and I wrote them a suicide note, and then I walked out into the water, planning that the water would take me the under, uh, undercurrents would take me out to sea, and I would simply drown. As I walked into the water, the waves were big that day, and they threw me back, and I wasn't able to get beyond them. So I got up, and I tried again, and they threw me back again, and I got up, and I tried again, and they threw me again. And then I looked down on the last time that I was thrown, and I saw swirling in the water beside me this little shell. And I thought, look at that shell. The waves are so powerful, they can throw me with all the muscle I can exert, throw me back, and I haven't been able to get through them. And this shell, which has been thrown so many times, is still intact. Maybe that's what's wrong. Maybe I've been fighting against the kicks of life instead of going with them. And from that time on, I decided to go with life, to go with the currents and to try to harmonize my movements to theirs. And I found in the process the peace of mind and also whatever level of success that I needed, but I didn't need more. And I'm a happy man, all because of that shell. Truth is a taskmaster, but believe me, it's a loving one.